Hello, and welcome to this episode of Skift Meetings Podcast. The podcasts are curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Andrea Doyle, and I am the senior editor of Skift Meetings. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeff Buzdefka, CEO of Noland. Let's get started. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia, a city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future. Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the Skiff Meetings podcast. And um, I wanted to start by asking you who you are and how did you get to be you? Oh, well, first off, Andrea, it's always uh, great to have a conversation with you, and uh, I think very highly of Skift, and uh, really thrilled to have the opportunity to uh, join you uh, in the audience. Uh, how did I get to be who I am? That is a loaded question, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, on the straight and narrow. A uh, funny thing happened uh, on my way to becoming uh, a dentist. I took a part-time job uh, at McDonald's, and that was my first introduction to the service industry and absolutely fell in love with the service industry and caring for others. That led me to explore the hotel side uh, of the service industry, and I took another part-time job while I was in high school uh, at Hyatt, and from there, there was no looking back. I made the decision by Degree is in hospitality leadership, and my entire professional career uh, has been in hospitality, hospitality focused. A few decades, I won't share with you how many, but uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, there are a few. Uh, I've spent, uh, I've had a, a bit of a unique opportunity and have been lucky to spend time both as a hotelier as well as a hospitality technology service provider. Now, a bulk of my time and my career was with Hyatt, uh, having spent uh, just over 20 years at Hyatt over the course of two different runs. Uh, in between, if you would, years 11 and 12, uh, I was someplace else uh, for that bit of time. And that gave me the opportunity to work as a hospitality uh, technology provider. Now, I am who I am largely you know, because of Hyatt, as well as uh, marrying my high school sweetheart kind of frame that out. Uh, as far as positions I've held, I've held various senior uh, leadership roles at Hyatt. Most recently, before joining uh, Nolan, I was senior vice president of global hotel technology within Hyatt's operations team. And then uh, I did have the opportunity to spend uh, some time at uh, Sabre, specifically Sabre Hospitality, Pegasus Solutions, where I ran their centralized commission payment program now more commonly known as Onyx Center Source, and then uh, also ran global service delivery at Pegasus. I left Pegasus uh, to join TravelClick uh, as chief operating officer 
uh, where we provided business intelligence and distribution marketing services uh, to hoteliers. And then just over a year ago, I made the decision, the difficult decision, to leave Hyatt and join Noland as the CEO. Now, as many uh, people are aware, Noland is a data as a services provider, and we are hyper-focused in the meeting and events space and providing actionable insights into the meetings and events space and the numbers of meetings and how people you know, come together and what meetings and events look like. Probably important to also share why I joined Nolan, and it comes back to you know, my passion is hospitality. And obviously, we, the industry, has you know, been decimated by the impact of the pandemic and are in the process of rebuilding. And when the opportunity presented itself to join Noland, I saw this as an opportunity. I firmly believe the industry will not be fully recovered and get back to growth phase until meetings and events come back in a meaningful way. And that's one of the reasons why I made the decision to come back to the hospitality technology provider side and having the opportunity to see both sides of the coin, uh, it gives me, I think, a unique perspective uh, to help grow uh, the Nolan platform. You just mentioned how, um, you know, it's gonna take data to um, show how the meetings industry is coming back. Um, we spoke this week for a story you know, I wrote about um, where meetings are and where they're going to be next year. Can you talk a little bit about um, where the industry stands and what you see, you know, in the coming year? Sure. Uh, you know, meetings are back and they are back. Uh, we like to say with uh, a vengeance. Now, there are certain meeting segments that are, are slower to return and will be slower to return. And uh, and that's really in what we like to at times refer to as the whales, the real big meetings. And those bigger meetings are getting smaller in the number of attendees. And I believe they'll probably stay smaller as people are a little bit more selective on when and what they travel for. But what we're also seeing with those larger meetings not only are they getting smaller in size and number of attendees, but they're getting a bit more distributed. So what we're seeing is one meeting that might have been a large annual sales meeting or product meeting or customer meeting is getting split into a series of regional meetings and more localized meetings. So we are seeing smaller meetings getting larger Bigger meetings getting smaller as far as the number of attendees, but also more distributed. Now, what like to, and we're really uh, excited to share, is um, back in November of last year, Nolan introduced um, a meetings recovery forecast. And it was taking historical data combined with uh, current demand trends current actualized meetings and how they're coming in place in addition to other information available in the marketplace and use that to create a market, uh, this meetings recovery process. And we updated on a quarterly basis. We introduced it in November. In the next few quarters, we made the decision we were going to keep it. And the good news is it was staying firm. We weren't backsliding. Recovery has in meetings and events come back, I think, a bit better than any of us had anticipated. 
and recovery has accelerated to the point that we are now projecting full recovery uh, middle part of 23. Now, as we look at while we're recovering and we're using 2019 as our baseline and for comparison, I think it's also important to say that's just a baseline of numbers. That is not a reflection of and saying we're going to look like and act exactly where, as we were in 2019. Uh, meetings are looking different before, and I shared just one example with the, the, the large meetings getting a, a bit smaller, more distributed. Um, there is with this concept of, and I think hybrid working, remote working is here to stay. And from a hospitality standpoint, I think that brings in new opportunity for us. And it's an opportunity to for um, corporations, companies that are giving back commercial real estate, shrinking their offices or getting rid of offices altogether. There's still this need to come together as a team and meet. And we are seeing a nice, strong build of those types of meetings and events, new corporate type of meetings that are all based on bringing people together, whether it's quarterly, every six months, or on an annual basis. Hotels are working to understand what those new demands are and the, the, the new expectations. There's this new concept that uh, you know, I've been hearing uh, being bantered around. It's the no work work meetings, meaning the needing to bring people together and, you know, there's discussion, you know, even myself, I've hired individuals who I haven't met before, and this is an opportunity for us to come together. So recovery accelerating stronger than we uh, expected, meetings looking different, and the ability to uh, make change and be nimble to address this uh, evolution of the way meetings and events are looking. And another thing I probably, I just wanna point out uh, as well, and just a reminder, oftentimes when people think about meetings and events, the perception is, the focus is those real large meetings, the citywides, the mega events, the National Restaurant Association show. And while those shows and those events are important, it's not the bedrock of meetings and events. It's not the core meat and potatoes. If we look at pre-pandemic, nearly 80% of meetings were under 200 attendees and less than three, three point, you call it 4% of events and talking number of events here, we're over a thousand attendees. So while the area that seems to be struggling the most and coming back are the big, we're really encouraged and excited to see the small or really the small to medium size are coming back uh, with a vengeance. And do you feel those small meetings are coming back because of pent up demand and because there's been a loosening of corporate travel restrictions? Um, I believe that uh, you know to be the case. Uh, you know, it is very difficult to you know create relationships in a digital world. And while you can use the digital world to conduct easy business and easy transactions and to learn, it really is about connecting people and bringing people together. Uh, and people want to get back 
to being people and to have that interpersonal connection. Collaboration, innovation is often sparked by those discussions. And whether it's a breakout session, if it's just on a break in a meeting or event or even a cocktail reception, you can't do that in the electronic world. So I really think that that is what's driving this and the need to get back to that interpersonal connection. Okay. And I, the, the, you're the first person who um, told me about that term, no work, work meeting. So that's something really to um, keep an eye out for. Just like you said, bringing people together just to bond and to um, come together as a team. Um, yep. Another been... thing to uh, actually, sorry, uh, you know, to, to point out, in addition to that no work, work uh, meetings, you know, the other you know thing that we're seeing is um, I was uh, attending a, a conference just a few weeks ago, and I think we've all heard this concept of uh, revenge leisure travel, and it was that revenge leisure leisure travel that really sparked the the growth and helped the industry come back. And what we're now starting to see as we're getting some ebbing of the build of leisure is revenge corporate travel, revenge group travel, and you know people wanting to get back and the need to get back to that inner you know connection and this concept of no work work meetings. Uh, there's another term uh, you know that I uh, threw out yesterday within my own team meeting is we talk we hear about leisure, the combination of business and leisure. We're also starting to see that we'll call leisure the combination of, of group and leisure as well. And so as meetings are, and events are coming back and bringing people in, we're also seeing stronger shoulder periods of individuals that if they are going to travel, they want to take advantage of the experience of the immersion of what the community offers. And we all know there is a very strong movement to experience-based travel. And we're starting to see that in groups and events. Really exciting times that not only is the business coming back, the manner in which it's coming back is different. And you know, it's it's exciting times. Somebody you know, mentioned to me just the other day, well, we use 2019 as the baseline of um, you know tracking business, whether it's number of events, dollars, ADR, rev par. While we're using that as the baseline, the experience is we're never going back to 2019. Mm -hmm. So things are different, and you know the the companies, whether it's the demand side or the supply side, being hoteliers or meeting and event planners. Those that are going to truly succeed are going to be those who are able to be a bit more nimble and adopt and the willingness to say, you know, what worked yesterday isn't going to work tomorrow. Uh, and we need to be able to be willing and capable to pivot and pivot quickly. And with that in mind, like many conferences and meetings do look much different than they did in 2019. Has there been any conferences you've been to where that has been exemplified? And I was also interested in finding out, like, um, in your opinion, what does it take for an event to go from good to great? Well, that's a lot packed into that, uh, that question, Andrea. And 
you know, it, uh, you know, two things immediately, you know, come to mind as far as getting an event uh, to go from good to great. And the first is, and I already somewhat touched on it, and that is being flexible. Need to keep in mind that guest and customer needs are, and their expectations are rapidly uh, evolving. What worked yesterday, definitely what worked in 2019, will likely not work today or need to be modified. Being nimble is key. So the first is really you know, flexibility to be able to go from that good to great. The other is about enabling choice. And this becomes a bit uh, of a, a balancing act. You know, need to realize, and this is both the hotelier as well as the meeting planner, to realize that the event is attended by individuals. While it's a group of individuals, it's still uh, individuals. And everyone's view of great may be different in what their expectations are need to be able to cater to individual needs while being in a position to deliver for the entire group. And that is a, a difficult balancing act. Now, as uh, I'm a, a bit of an accidental technologist, I'd also be remiss not to mention technology. Uh, while technology should not be front and center and technology is more the enabler, technology again enables that event but well-intended technology can also go bad. If it doesn't work, if it's overly complex, it can actually do the reverse of your question and take a good session to going bad. One last thing I'd like to point out is just a recent experience, and it, it, I won't share which conference it was, but a little over a month ago, it was a well-intended, well-put-together uh, agenda, and it was very excited to be there but it was poorly executed and every session ran long. And um, because sessions ran long, other areas were, there were trade-offs uh, that some of the break events or exhibitor time was reduced. And it ended up being a situation that the attendees and even the sponsors and exhibitors came with a certain set of expectations and those were unfulfilled. And there was a lot of excitement at the beginning that ended up ending with a you know, disappointment because of that poor execution of the, the agenda or the run of show was not properly managed. Well, that's really unfortunate. And especially in this day and age when productivity is so important to, you know, not have respect of someone's time. That's a huge no-no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, productivity you know, is key. And uh, happy you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the productivity word. You're looking through maybe a slightly different lens uh, with productivity. Uh, we, uh, just yesterday, uh, we did uh, a webinar and had, uh, over 200 uh, hotels, both current customers of ours and, and prospects uh, represented in the call. And it was a good discussion. And we we touched on the, the productivity and we asked a survey, did an in-session survey and asked the question, what is the obstacle? What is standing in your way as a leader to really get your sales team 
focused on groups and events to be successful as we look to rebuild. And there was a, there were several answers that came back, but the two top answers really come back to productivity. Uh, the top two answers uh, collectively represented 70% of the number one issues, and they were evenly split. The first one talked about just how difficult it is to get people into the positions. Uh, many great people made the decision once uh, their jobs were severely curtailed or they had to step away for a period of time, said, that's it, I'm done with hospitality and I'm going to move to uh, a different sales capacity. So sourcing people is challenging. Having owners allow operators to bring in the level of staff they need is also challenging because owners are still trying to make up for, for the last two years. And then as they're bringing new people in, they have fewer people, they're operating differently, their old playbooks are no longer valid or at least need to be significantly modified. So it's not just a, here you go, here's your book of business, go for it. There's a lot more time that needs to be invested in teaching people hospitality and how to sell in hospitality. That was the first issue. The second issue that was raised is back to productivity. We have fewer people. We need to make sure that they are spending their time on what truly will deliver results. We need to be have a strong bias to action, but the actions that lead to outcome. And if we look at the, the second large issue that was raised is the challenge with the RFPs. You talk to uh, meeting planners and event planners, one of their biggest concerns are hoteliers are not responding to RFPs in a timely manner. And the natural reaction to that as a meeting planner, event planner, then I need to send out, include more hotels, which kind of fuels the, the fire of a lot of extra noise. You talk to the hoteliers, they say they're very frustrated and while they want to respond to RFPs in a timely manner, their likelihood to win is low. And at least with the attendees in our call yesterday, they said that their closure rate, their win rate on RFPs is less than 10% right. as a collective audience. And they're saying, you know, we used to have a metric requiring our hotels to respond to RFPs within a certain number of business hours. We're now looking at it going, the way business is coming back, it's more about rebuilding and reestablishing direct personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And the RFP is a bit of a problem. It's not that they don't add value. It's just, we have to find a way to make sure that the RFPs are being better targeted to hotels that are better positioned to win the business and giving hotels the opportunity to focus on that direct business as well. But you're right, the way business is coming back, the lack of resources, the lack of good talent, the lack of the ability to bring in good talent, all leads to you really need to focus on redesigning processes and uh, to help both the demand and supply side uh, maneuver through this new world order. And hasn't this also led to new markets evolving? 
business is coming from markets that hoteliers didn't expect, is it? And I also um, saw that there's more feeder markets that are being developed. You're spot on, you know, feeder markets and back to, you know, we're not going to look like we did in 2019 is we need to understand, you know, that our feeder markets are changing. Uh, you know, people, at least before the significant rise in gasoline, people were more willing to drive further. So your drive to markets opened up a bit. Uh, and, you know, feeder markets are different based on where corporate business uh, is coming from. Also had talked about uh, we're expecting, you know, pre-pandemic levels, groups and events, uh, as far as number of events, typically were in about 60% was corporate business because of this new demand or new need for bringing people together and a company no longer has that commercial real estate space, we're expecting to see a higher percentage of corporate business uh, and events because of that. So, you know, as hotels are bringing in new sales teams, they need to also recognize the demand is looking different. The expectations are different. Um, you know, even back on the productivity piece, the way meetings are getting booked now, it used to be that meetings were booked first, the commitment to space, and then it was handed off to somebody else to plan. And that was done at a later time. The, the meetings are looking different, the demand sources are looking different, and the manner in which we sell and service are different as well. Hotels need to do a better job of selling and planning at the same time, reducing touch. And the meeting planners, I think, very much appreciate that as well because it helps them. So again, business is coming from different markets and the, the demand is looking different, the expectations are different. Back to one of our opening uh, discussions was the, just the fact that you need to be nimble and you need to be able to uh, pivot as uh, the demand changes and the expectations change. So it's just a different world, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. What do you see going forward? Oh, that is, uh, I've almost given up on forecasting. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a, uh, I tried to tell my board uh, for the forecast for 2022. When I wake up on January 1st of 23, I'll tell you what we did on 22, but you know, that doesn't work. <laughs> but no, so it comes back to, you know, the industry uh, has come back with a vengeance and I believe that will continue very strong you know, business. The hospitality uh, industry has proven its resiliency time and time again. Combination of the, uh, the pent-up demand, reduced corporate travel restrictions, the need for people just wanting to reconnect 
and companies wanting to rebuild culture, that will actually continue and evolve. I don't believe that will be a short-term burst. That is a uh, at least a mid to long-term, short to long-term view and need to address this new type of demand. Already touched on it, corporate is the biggest segment uh, and it's coming back harder representing over 60% uh, of the meeting volumes. We're back to that percentage level of the meeting volumes. And, uh, you know, we're looking to see that continue to build. Smurf will always be nice from a filler standpoint, but really making sure you're focused on that corporate uh, business. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, our Q2 industry, you know, the groups and events outperform the forecast by nearly 26%. And while you know that's a large uh, gap from a forecasting standpoint, I don't want to be overly apologetic for missing it because we missed it <laughs> on the right side. You know, this is a good miss and uh, I think is an indicator of just how strong our industry is uh, and can be. We expect events again to be 100% recovered uh, by the end of May of next year. Now, I'm speaking across the U.S., and there will be certain markets that will be laggards and will, you know, challenge, and especially those markets, I think, that require more on that whale business and the big citywides. But overall, or broadly, uh, we're pretty bullish that uh, by the end of May, we'll be 100% recovered. And then by the end of 23, we'll surpass and be closer to nearly 110% wow. by the end of the year. Um, again, uh, you know, corporate, I expect, will jump and will continue uh, to jump. So be focused there. As it relates to this year in the short term, um, you know, August itself will have some up and ups and downs. Don't get discouraged by the downs. That's just native seasonality. We're starting to see more and more, and whether we're looking at our data or data that Smith Travel provides or others, we're starting to get into a little bit more of a normal rhythm as it relates to seasonality patterns. So don't be discouraged by the downturn. September, and based on what we're seeing by demands, we believe September will roar back and the last four months of the year uh, will grow strong. So overall, we feel you know, pretty bullish. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we ended last year in the budget cycle just at the start of, of Omicron, and there was a bit more pessimism going into 22. I think 22 going into 23 and looking beyond, much more positive outlook. I think the world, uh, you know, has, especially here in the U.S., has done a better job of at least understanding how to manage through you know, the waves of, uh, of COVID. We have better therapeutics in place and uh, you know, we, we just are able to service that better. And uh, with these new demand um, channels and opportunities that are coming up, I think that will also then make up for some of the areas that may be you know, gapped. So more good news than not, uh, I think is the key message there. There's nothing I like better than an inspirational conversation. And that's what I feel as if we just had. So and that's actually, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I've been using a common talk track uh, lately is I feel like we're living in this world of distorted reality, but things that are going on around us, you know, the geopolitical issues, threat of war, inflation, recession, 
that should suggest that we should be batting down the hatches and not as positive. But it's not just me being positive. Reading any of the hotel's quarterly releases, the hotels that are uh, publicly traded, you know, Hyatt, for instance, my former stopping ground, just had a record second quarter. And uh, who would have thought that would have been the case? And each of the major corporations are really talking about their excitement with groups uh, and events. So hopefully we're all right in this instance. And, uh, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, raising champagne glasses and toasting each other come the middle part of uh, next year when we uh, have, uh, you know, got back to at least 19 levels. Well, I sure do look forward to that. What do you feel the biggest challenges facing the industry are? Yeah, the yeah, and I think I touched on that earlier, and I'll go back to the survey that uh, we did today uh, with uh, our customers. Is we have to first and foremost find a way to address our people challenges, and part of the people, you know, finding getting people comfortable to either come back to hospitality or to join hospitality. And then as new people come in and because processes are changing, the ability to train and retrain and make the investment in people is probably challenge number one. Challenge number two is really kind of redesigning. And again, not going back to where we were in 19. Processes, experiences will be different. And we need to really be very critical on how we redesign our processes. Just because we used to do it that way doesn't mean we should. And the example uh, that our customers gave us was the plea to help improve the uh, effectiveness in who they sell to and how they sell and either help find a way to increase the win rates of uh, the RFPs or find a way to preempt the RFP, and that's largely built uh, upon uh, relationships. So overcoming the people, helping to redesign productivity is probably you know, the single area, largest area uh, of challenge. And then the third piece really is how to use uh, you know, data and get in not just data itself, but getting actionable insights. The hospitality industry has more data than they need, but not enough actionable insights. And the you know the vendor community, we have to do a better job coming together and bringing fractured data sets together to give whether it's meeting and event planners or hoteliers or anyone in the travel space better insight to understanding you know what is really going on in the world. What are the demand channels? Where is business? Where isn't business? And it's really putting that importance in data itself with fewer people need to change processes, get better from an efficiency standpoint. We as an industry have to come together and do a better job as it relates to turning data into actionable insights. And didn't many event planners find the importance of data during the pandemic, during the shutdown? Because when they went virtual, they were able to get so much data. And now they want that same data for their face-to-face meetings. Uh, exactly. And this is, I think, one of the good things that did or is starting to come out of the, the pandemic is, number one, we were able to all kind of scramble uh, and find a way to work remotely and then tap in and find ways to access the data. And I think that 
helped open the eyes to more things that can be done with data sets and tap into it. So mentioned earlier, the hospitality industry has been laggards at time in adopting technology. I think this really helped open our eyes and especially as it relates to data. Well, this has been really wonderful. Um, anything else you would like to tell me about the future of the industry? Um, like I like to say, I'll tell you on January 1 what I did last year, but you know, <laughs> just kidding. No, I think we covered it all. I think you know, key is flexibility. Um, mm -hmm. you know, just don't pull back up your playbooks that you had uh, in 2019 or that were left behind for you in 2019. This is really an opportunity for us to really rebuild and recraft uh, experiences. We are in an experience-based world and you know this whole concept of no work work meetings and that the ability to embrace it, don't be afraid by the uncertainty, embrace it you know as opportunity and it really comes back to being nimble and being open to saying, you know what? we've got to make a change. And I guess it's time to burn that old playbook, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So um, we end our podcasts by asking who you would like to see us have on one of our future podcasts. And if there was any question you could ask that person, what would that question be? Well, seeing I'm an avid Packer fan, my initial response was, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, uh, the, the coach of Green Bay, but uh, I'll bring it a little bit closer to home here. Um, you know, the importance as we talk about evolving experiences, and there is such an important you know, focus on mindfulness and wellness, uh, and even part of this concept of no work work meetings is getting people together to do things that are not necessarily work related and they're you know contribute to the well-being of the individual. Uh, a person who I think very highly of is a lady by the name of Mia Kairikos. Uh, and uh, she has done some phenomenal work as it relates to you know the whole concept of wellness. And uh, with a with a focus in meetings and events, uh, former colleague from Hyatt, uh, I think she's out on her own right now doing some uh, consulting, and uh, she's a she's a great resource and uh, has really actually helped me personally uh, adjust the way I approach work. Okay, I'm definitely going to reach out to Mia. And if there's yeah. one question I ask Mia, what do you think that question should be? I would, you know, back to how does she see meetings and events evolving to really embrace the whole person, if you would, and this whole concept about how do you apply wellness more effectively into a meeting and event? Okay, great. Well, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking your time and it really was fascinating and just, you know, getting a glimpse of the data really gives you a view of where things are going. I enjoyed the conversation, Andrea, and always happy to uh, spend time with uh, colleagues from SCIF. So thank you for your time and thinking about us at Noland. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.